Anyway, happy Tuesday, you guys. My name is Casey, and I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm so glad that you decided to join us tonight. Um, Pastor Derek and Pastor Victor are at a conference in Springfield, Missouri this week. I'm sure it's not. I'm doing whatever this weather is um, there. Maybe it is. Who knows? I was so confused when it said it was snowing on my weather app today because it was literally 65 degrees when I had lunch. So incredibly stupid, but it's okay. God is still good. And it's Tuesday, and we got to be here together. Amen? Okay, rock on. You're actually supposed to say amen after I say that. Just, it's fine. Anyway, I'm excited to be sharing with you guys tonight as we continue in our love series. And I feel like God has something for each and every single one of us tonight. So our series is called Love's a Game, Wanna Play. It is a Taylor Swift reference. If you missed last week, Derek, big Taylor Swift fan. So clearly, it's a thing now. We've been doing it for years. Taylor Swift references all the way. I don't have any of those in my sermon, though. Just sorry to disappoint. But... Pastor Derek kicked us off last week by introducing us to what it could look like to date well and to honor God in our relationships. And tonight, we're going to take a step back, actually, and look at what it looks like to be content, even before we even step into a relationship. So, as someone who wasn't allowed to date until I was 16, I was super obedient to my parents and would never dream of disobeying them, except for the fact that I did want to disobey them. Um, because anytime a boy gave me even like a little ounce of attention, I was all over that. Um, and when I was, like, I was in elementary school, every single school year came with a new crush. It was like clockwork. It was always somebody in one of my classes. It was always somebody who didn't know I existed and would never give me the time of day. And someone who I would spend hours dreaming about being future Mrs. whatever his last name is. And I would never, like, talk to these boys, right? If I did, it was probably way too obvious that I was in love with them. And the absolute worst thing that could happen is that they would find out that I was in love with them. And that would just lead me to not look at them ever again and get a new crush the next day. But in fifth grade, that's when everything changed. Fifth grade was the year for my school that everyone started dating. And by dating, I mean, you, like, sat next to each other during lunch. You maybe talked at recess, you know, true love kind of stuff. And I remember having this substitute teacher come to our class one day who was um, asking people around the class, and then she was just like, okay, okay, who's dating somebody else in this class? And I swear, like, over half the class raised their hand except for me, and I was devastated. How, at the ripe age of 11, had I not found the love of my life? <laughs> and it's not like I didn't have my eyes on anyone. You know, there was this one boy. I was crushing him pretty hard. Um, it was kind of embarrassing to admit because I had this Valentine that he gave me from the year before, like in fourth grade. Um, it's no, it's not that cute. <clears throat> uh, I hid it in my room so my parents couldn't find it, um, which was the worst place to hide it because they did find it, which is great. But it wasn't even like a personalized Valentine, which makes it worse. It was one of those like Shrek-themed Valentines. And I swear to you, my name wasn't even on that. Like the twos were blank and he just signed his name and all the friends and just like handed them out to everybody. But I, that was my prized possession. Very embarrassing. He was my everything. So, you know. One day, I got the tragic news, though, that he, too, had a girlfriend. And it wasn't me, surprisingly. But there I was, heart ripped out of my chest, utterly aware that what seemed like everybody in my class was happy and had found their fifth grade little soulmates. But I was alone. Something must have been wrong with me. I was unsatisfied, and I desperately just wanted attention from whatever fifth grade boy would give it to me. I was so distraught because everyone around me was so clearly in love and I was missing out. I was discontent. 
I was in fifth grade and had no idea what love actually was, but I was discontent. And honestly, that's how so many of us feel on the daily. We're so discontent. We aren't satisfied with, with whatever season of life that we're in. We constantly just want something more. And we think that dating, relationships, sex, whatever it might be, will make us happy. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought to yourself, if only I would just meet my husband or wife, I'd be happy. If I had someone to rely on, I'd be more stable. If I had a partner to keep me company and comfort me when I'm feeling sad, then I wouldn't get sad so often. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you've had the thoughts of, if we just get married already, life would be easier. Or if we could just sleep together, our purity issues would go away. We think finding and marrying the one will make us content. And the culture we lived in has also pushed us to believe this same lie. We are so set on experiencing the next best thing. When you're in high school, all you can think about is graduating and going to college and getting freedom. When you're in college, all you can think about is graduating and finding your dream job. When you're single, all you can think about is being married. When you're married, all you can think about is having kids and having babies. And the list never ends. There's a next best thing that you can have. And what we think is the next best thing, is we think it's going to make us so much better than what we're experiencing right here, right now. We think, that's when I'll be happy. That's when I'll start getting my life together. That's when everything will just make sense. We've put our hope into how good life is going to be once we've found the one. And in doing so, we've put so much pressure on finding the romantic partner. And it's become what we believe is going to be this ultimate source of fulfillment. We are so discontent. And when we're stuck in discontentment, we find ourselves start to think some pretty weird things. We settle for someone who maybe isn't great for us. Yeah, maybe they don't have the best habits or maybe they don't have the best influence on me, but like, they're nice and they're really good to me. Or maybe we even get into a relationship with someone who doesn't necessarily like love Jesus. They like Jesus. They're open going to church with me. They don't uh, test me and my boundaries. They respect me. They don't necessarily love Jesus like you love Jesus. We do things sexually with people that we told ourselves we would never do because we want to feel loved and that's the best way we know how to experience love. We text and Snapchat multiple people at once because we crave attention from anyone who will give it to us and convince ourselves that it's harmless and we're just friends. But in reality, we're just digging ourselves deeper into the void that we desperately want to be filled. And we're trying to find contentment through romance and relationships and just make, end up making dumb decisions that hurt us way worse in the end. So the question is, how do we find contentment? So if your Bible's with you, we're going to be reading in Philippians chapter 4, but also it's going to be on the screen behind me. And just a disclaimer, I am 32 weeks pregnant. I am super out of breath. I will be drinking my water. I'm not going to do the thing where pastors just sit here and then never actually touch it. I'm going to... Amen. <clears throat> it will be happening multiple times. Anyway, so Philippians. This is written by the Apostle Paul, who is one of the most influential leaders in the early church. He gives us wisdom about finding contentment and strength in every season, no matter our relationship status or our phase of life. And Paul knows what he's talking about here, right? Not only was he an incredible man, he was an incredible leader in the greatest missions movement that the world has ever seen. But he wrote this letter to the Philippian church in quite possibly the most inconvenient circumstances. Paul wrote this letter about being content in any circumstance while literally being in prison. He was in prison, he was beaten up quite frequently for sharing the good news of Jesus with others. And yet this man was content. 
Not only was he persecuted for his faith numerous times and in prison when he wrote this letter, but also he was single. How tragic. So if anyone can relate to the temptation to be discontent in their circumstances, it's Paul. So let's read. This is Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for the opportunity to just be here tonight, God. And I just pray for whatever circumstances or season of life we're coming into this space with, I just pray that you would give us open hearts to just receive from this passage, to hear Paul's wisdom, um, and to just apply it to our lives, Lord. I just pray for your love to just be the most evident thing in this room um, and the most evident thing that we can take through the scripture as well, God. So we love you so much and pray all in your name. Amen. Take two. So how do we find contentment? Paul lays it all out for us. So in verse 11, he says that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance he finds himself in. So contentment, according to Paul, wasn't something he just magically received when he accumulated everything he ever wanted. He wasn't rich. He didn't have a house or a wife or kids. Nor did he just wake up and think, yep, I'm content now. He says that he learned how to be content in his circumstances. This should speak volumes to us, especially in the context of singleness. He declares that he has learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether it's when he has everything he could ever want and dream and hope for, or when he doesn't. He's saying that contentment is not dependent on external things. Contentment is something that we have to be intentional about. It's something we have to learn. It requires in an internal shift in our perspective, rather than just waiting for external circumstances to change. We find contentment by intentionally learning it. We don't just go from being discontent and constantly thinking about the next best thing to being fully satisfied overnight. It takes time. And knowing that it's going to take time can bring us so much peace. But the thing about learning to be content is that we have to be intentional about growing in that season. It's not just going to happen magically. It's not just going to happen if we're consistently choosing to be miserable and complain about our seasons and circumstances. Every season that we encounter is a season that prepares us for the next one. If you're single right now and you're finding it hard to be patient, remember that there's going to be more hard seasons, probably seasons harder than this. You could maybe one day face a problem at work, struggling to get the promotion you want. Maybe you could be in the midst of infertility. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one. The trials that you're struggling with right now will prepare your heart for the next ones. James 1, verses 2 and 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith, faith will produce perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. When we face hard things, we are being prepared to face even harder things in the future. God is preparing your heart now for what he wants to do in and through you then. Learning how to be content is like learning how to do anything else. It takes practice. Think about when you learned how to play an instrument or do a sport or picked up a new hobby. You weren't all of a sudden good at it, and you probably put a lot of time and effort into being good at that thing. Hours of practice, years of experience, etc. You won't be professionals overnight, right? So contentment takes time. Yes, it might be easier or come more naturally to another person, but it still requires us doing something and growing in an intentional way. It might be harder for you than the person sitting next to you to be content in the season of life you're in. And that's okay. 
We all struggle with different areas. I promise you, there is a temptation to be discontent no matter the season you're in. But it's how we respond to that temptation that makes all the difference. We have to choose to pursue contentment. Choosing contentment means making intentional decisions and creating habits in our life that will point us towards being satisfied where we are. This looks like shifting our perspective, recognizing that it's not the end of the world if we aren't where we want to be in life. It's okay that I'm 19 years old and I just broke up with my high school boyfriend. It's okay that I'm graduating college this year and I'm not engaged to somebody else. We can shift our perspective from what we think is weird to just what our reality is. And side note, it's not weird if you graduate without an engagement ring on your finger. Um, The average age for someone to get married in the US is 31. So found that out this week. The 19-year-old married people are weird. Let's just be real about it. That's the abnormality. Love you, 19-year-old married people. You're great. I don't know if there's any in the room right now, but love you if you're here. And that's awesome for you. But that's the, that's the anomaly. That's the weird thing, you guys. You're not weird for not being married yet, I promise. The next thing is learning contentment also looks like setting realistic expectations for yourself. We can accept that life is so far from perfect, and there will always be challenges and setbacks along the way. Your life plans for what age you want to be married at or how many kids you want to have by the time you're 28 might get skewed. You really aren't in control of any of that. Adjust your expectations and focus on what you can control rather than what you can't. You also have to stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself to the people sitting next to you. It will only lead to feelings of discontentment and inadequacy. And honestly, you're going to be mad and grow bitterness towards those people that have the things that you want. We need to focus on where you are and celebrate where you are at in life and not where other people are at. Lastly, learning contentment and being intentional to pursue it starts with reminding yourself that God is the one who's in control and you're not. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can be assured that God knows what's best for us. He knows what he's doing. His thinking is different than ours when it comes to what's best for us. His ways and everything he allows are so much higher than ours. When we choose to learn contentment and make conscious choices towards that end, we can experience so much joy regardless of our external circumstances. We can learn to be content in our singleness, trusting that God has not only put a purpose in this time of our life, but he also has good things for us in this time. In verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. No matter the circumstance, he knows what contentment looks like. Paul knows what it means to have needs and wants and to have them not be fulfilled, but he also acknowledges when his needs are met. He acknowledges when he has plenty. He acknowledges when he's fed. Paul doesn't depend on the circumstances to tell him whether or not he should be content. But rather, he looks at his circumstances for what they are. And he also appreciates when his needs had been met. He looks at the good things in his life. And when we do this, we can focus on what we have instead of what we lack. So we find contentment by focusing on what we have, not what we lack. So instead of dwelling on the things that we lack in life, we can focus on the blessings and the opportunities that come with whatever stage of life we're in. We can focus on the things, when we focus on the things we lack, we just become more and more discontent. We have a higher sense of dissatisfaction. We go blind to the good things in our life that are right in front of us. We miss opportunities because we're so focused on the opportunities we don't have. It's also way too easy to fall into comparison and jealousy when we focus on the things that we lack. 
Because when we see what other people have and we see what they do have, it becomes way easier for us to have resentment and to grow in bitterness. And that can hinder our ability to celebrate the people around us that we love. And truthfully, you're probably not even comparing your life to something that's real. Their reality is they're discontent in something else. What gets posted on Instagram is just their highlight reel, I promise. Remember that other people are going to be struggling with seasons of discontentment too. It just might look different than yours. So when we focus on the things we lack, we rob ourselves of the opportunity to be grateful for the season that we're in and the good things that that season brings. That's why we have to focus on the things that we do have. So in singleness, there's a lot of opportunities and blessings offered that we just dismiss because it's not the season we want. This gift of singleness is not what we asked for. But when you're single, this is an opportunity for you to grow spiritually, to focus just on your relationship with God and not have to worry about what the other person is doing next to you, what their relationship with God looks like, dragging someone along with you. You have the opportunity to serve others in a way you can't serve other people in the same way when you're married. You can pursue passions without distractions of a romantic relationship. You can have freedom and independence to do what you wanna do without having to consider a whole nother human being. And you can just deepen your relationship with God in a way that you can't always do when you're in a relationship. One of the most common misconceptions about singleness is that it's just like a waiting period for marriage, but there's no truth to that. We act like there's no value or purpose in that season of life, but God has so much purpose in this time. He wants to grow you. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you to look more like him without the distraction and somebody else trying to steal all of your attention. You can look at the good things and take advantage of the freedom and opportunities that singleness affords you. One of the best ways that we can focus on the things we have instead of the things we lack is to practice gratitude. So whatever season you find yourself being discontent in, thank God for the things that you have. We can do this by cultivating a habit of gratitude. This looks like regularly acknowledging and appreciating the blessing in your life. Take time every day to reflect on the things that you're thankful for, no matter how big or small they might seem. Gratitude pushes us away from discontentment by shifting our perspective from focusing on the things that we lack and appreciating the gifts of God has given us in this current season. Another way to focus on the things that you have instead of what you lack is to fill your life with activities that just bring you joy. You can use this season where you aren't tied to another person as an opportunity to invest time and energy into so many more things. You can pursue your passions, start a new hobby, explore things that you haven't tried yet, get excited about something new. Build meaningful relationships with the people around you. You have more time and energy to be able to give to those people, so give it to them. You can open up your home and invite people into your life without having to take into consideration the person that you share your life with. You can serve others more easily or maybe be more generous because you don't share a bank account with another person who's gonna ask why you spent so much money at the tea seller. Real life example. But you don't have to double check with them when you're single and you can just be generous. That's cool. It's not that you can't do these things when you're married, but speaking from experience, it's a little bit harder. Being tied to another person, person and shifting your focus to serving them and wanting to do what's best for them and making sure that you have time together is all great, but it does take time and energy away from the things that you could be doing now. Focus on the present moment and appreciate the richness of your life that you don't need a spouse for. I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. Focusing on the things that I lack instead of the things that I have is something that I've been really struggling with in this current season. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm beyond excited to meet this baby in a couple of weeks, but I've spent the majority of my pregnancy just focusing on the things that I've been missing out on. I swear, I have complained once a week about not being able to eat deli meat sandwiches, and I know that's really silly, but I love Jimmy John so much, and I'm so sad about it. The hardest 32 weeks of my life for that reason only. 
My favorite jeans haven't fit me since September. I couldn't zip my winter coat the whole time that it was snowing outside. I can't go on a mission trip because apparently it's not super wise to fly on a plane 36 weeks pregnant and do manual labor for a week. And I just feel like I'm missing out on all these things. And I've also been focusing on things that I'm gonna miss out on when she's born too. Not being able to stay out late with my friends or go on a spontaneous trip. Not being able to sleep in on the weekends. Not being able to have a restful Saturday with John, but having to consider the life and need of a human baby. But by focusing on all these things that I'm missing out on or will miss out on, I've taken away from all the beautiful things that I've gone to experience in this season. Like the fact that God has literally designed my body to work 24-7 to create a human life and that I get to feel her kicking around in me, that's freaking dope. That's so cool. I don't think I've appreciated that enough. Or that I've hardly had to lift a finger since the second trimester because people don't let me. It's awesome. Or that I literally get to meet someone who is half me, half my best friend in eight weeks and to have a cool another little bestie. That's so cool. And by focusing on the things that I've been lacking, focusing on the things that I'm missing out on, I've been missing the opportunity to just be grateful in this season. And the things that I'm missing out on in this season of pregnancy with this specific baby, I'm never gonna get that time back. I'm missing out on being grateful for this season of motherhood that I've been gifted with. These seasons are gift, are gifts. Every season of life is a gift. And Paul recognizes that gift as well. He says, this man was sitting in the jail cell and he recognized that the season of life that he was in was a gift. Like that doesn't make sense at all. But he recognized the things in his life that were good. And he also recognized that he wasn't doing it alone. He was doing it with God. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Sorry. Paul is giving us the secret to true contentment here. It's relying on Christ's strength and not our own. It seems obvious, maybe even a little silly to say, but the reality is when we find ourselves being discontent, it's because we aren't relying on the one who offers true contentment. And this verse is so often taken out of context, just sprinkling it on to whatever accomplishment we've achieved, but has nothing to do with our accomplishments or our goals or the things that we can do on our own. When Paul, what Paul is saying here is that it's not about us, it's about Jesus and his strength. He's not saying that you can overcome hurdles because of Jesus or that you can do anything you set your mind to because of Jesus. And that might be true, but it's not quite what he's saying. Paul is saying that we can endure hard things because of Christ's strength. When it feels like we've been defeated, burnt out, and we feel like all the odds are against us, that we can be content and walk in joy because we know Jesus and we can rely on his strength no matter the circumstances we're in. So whether you're single and wanna be in a relationship or you're dating and you wanna be married or you're married and you wanna have babies, the key to contentment is to not rely on your own abilities to change the circumstances. The key to contentment comes from Christ alone. We find contentment by relying on God. Relying on our own willpower to just get through it will never work. We'll constantly live in a state of discontentment unless we turn to Jesus and ask him to help us. We need to remember that in our journey to find love and fulfillment, our strength to be able to get through that season that we're not super fond of comes from Jesus alone. He alone is our source of peace and confidence and satisfaction. Your strength to find contentment and singleness comes from God alone. So practically what this looks like is leaning on him in prayer, taking time to not only ask God to help you find your strength in him, but also just to get to know him deeper. He wants to build a deeper relationship with you. He wants the best for you and spending time in prayer is the best thing that we can do to spend time with him. 
Spend time in scripture. Get to know Jesus' heart for you. I encourage you, if you find yourself in seasons of discontentment, look at passages that remind you about how faithful God is and how much he loves you. Because when we learn that and believe that truth, trusting his timing becomes a lot easier. Trust that he has a purpose for your season that you're in. He's smarter than you and loves you more than you love yourself. He knows what he's doing. Trust that he will do what is best for you and he'll provide the strength you need to navigate whatever season you feel discontent in. Relying on God's strength instead of our own is the only way that we are ever gonna be truly satisfied. We need to recognize that we can't do this on our own. We can't just grit our teeth and bear it. We have to be intentional and choose to pursue contentment. We have to focus on the things that God has gifted us and we must rely on him and only him because he's the only way. He's the only one who can provide contentment. He's the only one who can give us all we ever need. And the main idea tonight is that only Jesus can offer us that true contentment. Only Jesus. Not a relationship, not sex, not a family. Only Jesus can offer us true contentment. Some of us have been believing this lie that Jesus isn't enough. We try to act like it's not true, even preach it to other people, but deep down, we don't think that we'll ever truly be satisfied if it's just us and Jesus forever. Some of us have even gotten to this point where marriage has become an idol in our life. Maybe you see the people around you who are dating, engaged, married, and you think, that's it, that's all I want. Marriage will stop my lustful thoughts. Marriage will fix my relationship issues. Marriage will end the loneliness that I feel all the time. And you're willing to do anything to work towards that end, even if it means being in a relationship with someone that you probably shouldn't be in a relationship with. You're willing to settle for a mediocre marriage for the sake of just being married sooner and not having to start over in a relationship. Being single terrifies some of us. The thought of God asking you to remain single forever is something that only happens in your nightmares. And honestly, you're not sure you'd even be obedient to him if he asked that of you. Many of us have been so discontent with where we're at, we just don't wanna endure anymore. We're just so over it that we're willing to sacrifice our futures for the sake of our current desires. But Jesus has more for you. He has fulfillment for you. He has plans for you far beyond what you can fathom. And he has so much joy in store for you. Jesus is all we need. Jesus is all we need. Every person, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, has a deep need for fulfillment in your life. And this need is bigger than any relationship or possession that we could ever try to fill it with. And everything you try to fill it with will leave you empty and unsatisfied and just longing for something more. It can only be filled by Christ's unconditional love for us. And he demonstrated this love for us by coming to earth, living among us, living this perfect life taking the penalty for our sins, all the wrongdoings we could ever have. And he died a sacrificial death on a cross. And now because of that sacrifice, he offers relationship with him and eternal life with all who believe in him. True contentment is found in this relationship with Jesus. Through faith in him, we can experience forgiveness and wholeness and restored relationship with God because it's the only thing that offers lasting satisfaction. When we find contentment in Jesus, we find that God has so much more in store for us than we ever thought possible. We're able to see past the things that distract us from God's voice. When we know his love for us and we know his ways are better for us, we try to walk in obedience to the things that he has asked us to do. And we can find so much more joy in our everyday lives. We're able to love those around us a little bit better. 
When we're searching for that person to complete us, we're so focused on ourselves, that's the only thing we can ever think about. But when we learn to live a life of contentment with Jesus, we're more easily aware of the needs of the people around us. Imagine if we are more in tune with the Spirit of God when He asks us to make a difference in somebody else's life. Not focusing on the things that we don't get to experience, but focusing on the opportunities that we get and being thankful for the opportunities that we get from God and the ways He is using us to change the world around us. What would it look like in a day and age where an epidemic of mental health issues, anxiety, constant unfulfillment, we lived lives of contentment? What might our world have to gain from a group of people who are constantly reflecting on how good God is instead of the miserable circumstances we try to find ourselves in? If we commit to being grateful for the seasons we're in, no matter how sucky it appears, people will notice. If we choose to lay our desires aside and pursue God's desires, people will notice. Not only do we get to experience this hope and joy that only Jesus can bring, but when we live a life that reflects that, we get to offer people that same hope. There are people who are looking at your life, looking at the way you respond to your actions, you respond to your circumstances as the biggest representation of Jesus that they will ever have. We can't live in a way that emulates hopelessness and despair because we're discontent where we're at. We must pursue contentment and fulfillment that Jesus offers us. True contentment is only found in Jesus. He's our only hope. No circumstances or season of life will ever be perfect. Jesus alone offers us satisfaction. So if you guys would stand with me, I wanna pray for us tonight because I think there's a couple of ways to respond. So if you're in here and you feel this void in your life, Maybe you've been trying to fill it with a bunch of things that the world has offered you, relationships, money, sex, whatever it might be. And you've been feeling just unsatisfied time and time again. Jesus wants to fill that void for you. Whether you don't know Jesus or you once did and you walked away, Jesus wants to be that satisfaction. He wants to fill that hole with his unconditional love and he wants a relationship with you. So if you want to follow Jesus tonight, I just want to give us the opportunity to do that. I know this is a message about singleness and it's in our dating series, but I believe that God is encountering people here tonight, maybe for the first time. So if you guys would just close your eyes with me. The way we do this at Chi Alpha, we give you an opportunity to just respond to Jesus's unconditional love. So if you want relationship with him, if you want to accept the death that he had on the cross for us, I just want to ask you to be bold and on the count of three to raise your hand to Jesus. This is just an outward sign to him that you're ready to follow him, you're ready to pursue him, you're ready to ask him to fill that void in your heart that you've been filling with so many other things. So would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Thank you. As I pray, I just want you to pray this in your heart. Jesus, we thank you so much for just being the sacrifice on the cross for us, God. We thank you for wanting relationship with us and pursuing us, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to do anything to receive that love. Lord, we thank you for your death on a cross and that, that death gives us relationship with you. It gives us this satisfaction that we've been craving so deeply. Lord, would you just fill the voids of the lives of the hearts of the people that raise their hands tonight, God, that just wanna have relationship with you. And I just pray that as they leave this space tonight too, God, that they would just truly believe that you are the satisfaction, God. You are the only thing that could ever fill them and they would stop turning to other things, Lord, but that they would just be truly satisfied by you and a relationship with you. 
others of us here tonight, maybe we recognize that even as followers of Jesus, we've been living a life of discontentment, being unsatisfied where we're at in life, our relationship status, or maybe even unsatisfied in our relationships, constantly trying to be in control of our lives, not trusting God to be the provider. We've been trying to fill this hole in our lives with relationships and pleasures and things that will never satisfy us, settling for less than God's best and trying to take control of our own lives instead of trusting him. And tonight, I wanna encourage you to just ask Jesus to remind you of his strength, that we get to rely on him and that he will provide for us in any season of life. Ask him to reveal his heart to you tonight. Ask him to be your source of contentment. So if you're discontent in your season, whether that's in singleness or maybe even in a relationship or maybe just the season of life that you're in, I just wanna encourage you tonight to not only confess that to Jesus and repent to him, but also share that with somebody else. Maybe it's your small group leader. Maybe it's gonna be one of the prayer team members in the corners. But I encourage you to start finding freedom from that discontentment. That starts with talking about it and acknowledging that it's there. We need to start pursuing freedom from the discontentment in our lives. So during this next song, I just want to encourage you to just get alone with Jesus, whether that's coming up to the altar up front, getting on the sides, getting back in your chair, getting to the back. I don't care what it is. I just want you to get alone with Jesus and ask him for more of him. Lay your desires down for this next best thing and just ask him to be the source of your contentment because I promise you there's a temptation for discontentment in all of our lives. So I'm just gonna pray for us. If you just put your hands out like this um, and after I pray, feel free to move about the room and just get alone with Jesus. Lord, we surrender our need to be in control, God. We surrender our need to find fulfillment and satisfaction in things that aren't you, Lord. God, we just repent of the ways and the places that we've been trying to find this contentment, whether that's in relationships or in other people or in um, media, whatever it might be, Lord, I just, I repent for myself too, for trying to find contentment in things that aren't you. Jesus, would you be our ultimate source of satisfaction? Would you fill us up in the ways that we've never been filled before, Lord? And that would you help our desires to just be on you and you alone? Jesus, I pray that the next best thing would not be more attracted to us than your presence. The next best thing would not be more attracted to us than just getting on our hands and knees before you and just pursuing you with everything that we have, God. Thank you for just being our source of contentment. Thank you for being our everything, Jesus.